Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Praise God. The word impossible is not even in his dictionary. Praise God. There's nobody else that we can in this world that we can say that about. I have seen things that the world says, Brother Farhat, is impossible. Become possible. I've seen eyes that were crossed from birth. Four-year-old little girl straightened up right there at an altar. Without any outside help from the medical world. I've seen a man that the doctor said is should be uh, on life support. We need to pull the plug because he's not moving. He's brain dead. I've seen him lift up his hands and begin to move his feet. Amen. Come on. God can do anything if we just believe in him. If you just have a little faith in God this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. What a wonderful blessing it is to be here this morning at Cornerstone in Lufkin, Texas. We uh, uh, considered a tremendous honor, Pastor, to be able to come back and not only come back, but for such an extended period of time. It's uh, truly humbling, truly humbling. I, I, love, I love your pastor and his family. They are truly, truly wonderful saints of God. He is genuine as they come. Amen. Every time I speak to someone, I speak to someone about Pastor Boone, it's always the same of how real, how genuine he is, how sensitive he is to the Spirit. Amen. He's truly a a man of God that I would strive to be like one day. Amen. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for the worship team. They are just immaculate, second to none. They're all gone now. We got one still up here. Praise God. Amen. I'm ready to see what God is going to do this morning. Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be reading out of the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Praise God. I, I feel, I do feel direction from the Lord quite strongly. Thankful for that direction. Amen. Thankful for my, my wife, Brianna, to be here with me this morning. Amen. Appreciate her, her passion for prayer and for the kingdom of God. There's not anything that this woman would not sacrifice for the kingdom of the Lord, and, and I'm thankful for that. You know, Part of the equation is we've got to be willing. You can hinder the will of God in your life if you are unwilling. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul speaking, or writing to Timothy rather. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. 
when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that genuine, sincere faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. That word persuaded, Pastor, leads me to believe that Paul knows that it is in Timothy. I, I know it's in you, Timothy, but it leads me to believe he has yet to see it. There's something inside of you that you have yet to tap into. I'm thankful God is using you, and there is a calling on your life, but there are deeper and greater things on the horizon. Praise God. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, watch this, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I witness this with my own eyes. Uh, that word stir up in the Greek means to, to kindle afresh, to keep in full flame. That gift that God has given you, Timothy, don't let it die out. Don't let the flame go out, but stir it up. Uh, in the first letter he writes to Timothy, you'll find he tells him to neglect not the gift. But yet he emphasizes the second time to stir it up. There's something inside of you, Timothy, that you have yet to tap into. Praise God. And then he goes on to say, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now you see fear throughout all the Bible, but only this one time in the New Testament is this Greek word, uh, delia, used only once. And it's in this portion of Scripture. God has not given us the spirit of fear, which der it derives, its origin comes from timidness. Don't be timid, Timothy. I need you to be bold. Praise God. And uh, I believe if you read First and Second Timothy, you'll find all throughout the epistles where Paul is constantly encouraging Timothy to be bold. You cannot afford to be timid or shy or fearful. You've got to be bold, Timothy. Don't be afraid of no giant. Don't be afraid of any principality. I need you to be bold. Amen. I believe that God is wanting to stir up some gifts in this place this morning. I believe that there is anointing that has yet to be tapped into. That there is destiny that has yet to be fulfilled. And that there is prophetic callings on you individually and on this church that have yet to be seen. And God is saying, stir it up this morning. Kindle it afresh. Don't let it die out. Uh, there's something greater on the horizon for Cornerstone. What you've seen thus far is wonderful. But I've got greater things in store for you. Hallelujah. Real quickly, one more portion of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Very familiar. I call it a conditional promise. Uh, meaning if we meet the conditions, God will fulfill the promise. What are the conditions? It says, trust in the Lord with all. Everyone say all. All thine heart. 
Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Not your situation. Not your circumstance, but God. And watch this. The promise is he shall direct thy paths. In order for our steps to be directed by the Lord, you see that we must first learn to put all of our trust into him. And according to Paul writing to Timothy, in order to put all of our trust in the Lord, we must first be willing to step out of fear, that timidness, and into faith, into boldness. Praise God. I want to preach to you this morning with the help of the Lord, stepping out of fear and into faith. Stepping out of fear and into faith. If we just lay our Bibles down right now, ask God to have his perfect will in this house. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We're nothing without you. I pray, Jesus, that you would let your word break us, let it shape us, and let it mold us, God. Stir up something inside of me, God, that you've placed in me from birth. Uh, there is a purpose, there is a destiny, there is a calling, God. I pray that you would have your perfect will in my life, Jesus. Uh, let a spirit of boldness, God, fall in this sanctuary right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke the principalities and everything, God, that would dare exalt itself against your name in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Praise God. The first time we see the word fear in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 2. And the Bible says, And the fear of you and the dread of you, speaking of man, shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea into your hand are they delivered. I find it interesting that the first time I see the word fear in the Bible, it's coming from the mouth of God. And he does not say, I will place fear into mankind. But rather, I will place the fear of mankind into all that moveth upon the earth. You were not created to fear the world, but yet the world was created to fear you. You were not to live your life predicated upon fear, but yet predicated upon faith. Amen. And fear is exactly what the Bible says it is, church. It is a spirit. And if we are not careful, this spirit of fear can hold us captive. It can cause you to remain idle in your walk with God. It can rob us of our purpose as a church and as a saint individually. It can cause us to never fulfill the calling of God on our life. The deception with fear is this. Fear does not always necessarily pull you away from God. But sometimes it just hinders you from going further. Here's the deception. We feel that if, as long as we're not going backwards, we're okay. As long as I'm not moving in reverse, I'm doing all right. I'm in the will of God. But I would submit to you, the Bible says, to draw nigh unto God. And he will draw nigh unto you. There is a fear in there is a danger in remaining idle in our walk with God. Because if we are not drawing nigh unto God, there is an adversary that's drawing nigh unto us. 
For example, uh, fear kept the children of Israel from the promised land. It did not pull them back into Egypt, but it never, it let, a, it never let a whole generation receive the promise. Amen. A great man of God once said that it is true that faith can move a mountain. But it is also true that fear can create one. And it is true that God does require for us to go through valleys from time to time. There are mountains that God places in our lives for us to go through and to climb. But could it be, church, that some of us here this morning are climbing up mountains that God never intended for you to climb? Could it be that because of fear some of us are going through valleys that God never intended for us to go through? Sometimes in our walk with God we're supposed to be moving mountains, but because of fear we are creating them. Praise God. If we are controlled by fear, church, this is as candid as I can be, you will always lack the boldness you need to step into faith. To walk into the will of God. The Bible says clearly that you must trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. With everything that is in me. With every fiber in my being. Not some, not most. But everything. All of my trust must go into God. And to lean not into my own understanding. That means I can't depend upon my own logic. That means when the doctor says there is no way. And the world says there is no hope. You say you know what. But I know a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that he can ask or think. You don't have to tell me what the percentages are. You don't have to remind me that the odds are stacked against me because I know a God that's able. Come on, somebody. Uh, Satan's going to tell you it's impossible. They're going to tell you that there's no way out. But I know a God that's able. Hallelujah. And always acknowledge Him, not my situation. My situation does not determine where I will be. My circumstances does not determine who I am. I am a child of the living God, and you can do anything and go anywhere that God wants you to go. Hallelujah. And the promise is that He will direct our paths. To sum it all up in one, it means to submit yourself to God. God, I am submitting myself to you. Uh, there is a dire need, church, for our paths to be directed by the Lord. Because this world that we live in has lost its sense of direction. It's going the wrong way and it's going way too fast. Uh, and if the church is not being led by the Lord, then who is? If we are not showing them how to live for God, then who is? If we are not propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ, then who is? We must know that we are being led by God. In times of peace and prosperity, this is not a big issue. But when trials come and there's a storm brewing in our midst and everything around us is being turned up upside down, we need to know that we're in the will of God. Because if I know that I'm in the will of God, it doesn't matter the adversity. It doesn't matter the trial. I can be like Job and say, yea, though he slay me yet, will I trust in him? Hallelujah. 
if we know we're in the will of God, we can say, he knoweth the way that I take. And when he has tried me, when I make it to the other side, praise God. Fear is what caused the children of Israel to spend 40 years in the wilderness pasture. Uh, because 10 of 12 spies come back from the land. They go into the promised land that God led them to. And they bring back the evidence of the fruit. Here is the evidence of the fruit. Here is the milk and the honey. But there's opposition over there. There's giants over there. And we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And therefore, so we were in their eyes. They said basically God was, a, God was being truthful. They, he meant what he said when there is a promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. But maybe God made a mistake. Because there's opposition over there. We feel like because we're going through some opposition, maybe that God made a mistake. Maybe we're not in the will of God. And they said 40 years had to go by. A whole generation died out in the wilderness because of fear. Forty years later goes by and two spies go back into the land and find themselves in the house of Rahab. And Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9, watch what she says. And she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Listen to what the enemy is saying. I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard. How the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you. And when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. And neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, not my God, but your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath, Rahab told them that God hey, gave you the victory 40 years ago. But because of fear, you were afraid to step into the promise. Can I preach to somebody this morning? You've been waiting for your victory. You've been waiting for your promise. But can I tell you, God's been waiting to give it to you for many, many years now. But you've been afraid to step in to your miracle and into your promise. You've got to learn to step out of fear and into faith. The Lord gave them the victory 40 years prior, but they were too afraid to step in. Now, this is what baffles me the most. She said, when we heard these things, the enemy only heard these things, but yet the children of Israel saw these things. The enemy that only heard believed more than the children of God that saw. The enemy believed more in their God than they did. You believe in one God, will you do well? The demons believe and yet they tremble at his name. Can I tell you, Satan knows who your God is. He knows who you serve. He knows who you belong to. And I'm not here this morning to remind him of who God is. I'm trying to remind you of who your God is. You can do anything that God wants you to do. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
And we find in this portion of Scripture that a whole generation dies out in the wilderness because they were afraid to step into the promise. God's will will come to pass no matter what you or I do. If we're too afraid to step into the open door that God has given us and into the calling that God has called us to, then He will let a generation die out in the wilderness and raise up a generation that's not afraid to step out into these streets with a spirit of boldness walking down the streets proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, church, but when it's all said and done and they put me in the dirt, I don't want it to be said that He missed out on everything that God wanted for him. I'd rather it be said that he did not run from giants, but yet he slayed giants. I would rather it be said he did not hide from the will of God, but yet he walked into the will of God. That I saw every miracle and every promise and every sign that God wanted for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fear caused the army of Israel to hide in the mountains from Goliath of Gath for 40 days. One giant that they saw caused the whole army to hide and to fear. And while these men of valor, these men of war, these great and mighty men that were in the army of God, of the living God, while they were afraid of this one giant that they saw, it took a little shepherd boy, Brother Farhat, to come on the scene and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And they said, no, David, you don't understand. He's too big for you. He's too good for you. He's too strong. But David, that shepherd boy, he said, no, you don't understand. The Lord was with me with the lion, and the Lord was with me with the bear, and he's going to be with me with this giant as well. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like that lion and that bear. Because David never forgot what God had done for him. It's amazing how we let these temporary giants overshadow everything that God has done for us. David never forgot that God was with him and what he had done for him. He summed it up best in Psalms 23 and verse 4. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. I will fear no man. I will fear no giant. I will fear no principality. Why? He said, for thou art with me. I know that you're with me, God, and I need you to understand this morning uh, that God's not just with you on top of the mountain but God is with you in your valley God is with you in the storm and when you're surrounded by your enemies uh, God is able I wish we would remember this morning that God is with us if God be for us then who could be against us (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I wish that we would engrave that in our hearts this morning. Uh, I wish that we would get that revelation this morning that no matter what we're going through, what we are enduring, God is with us. David goes on to say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And you and I... 
being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, walking in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we should never walk around with our head down. Uh, we should never be pushed up in a corner as a punching bag or the devil's doormat, but we've got to walk these streets uh, with our heads held high, uh, with a spirit of boldness, uh, propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power over the enemy. Praise God. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, today can be your day. You're tired of being a doormat. You're tired of being a punching bag. You're tired of being drug around by chains. Can I tell you, there is a God here this morning that loves you, and he's still in the redemptive business, and he will fill you with his spirit, and you will walk out these doors a new creature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have learned... In my life, that fear can manifest itself in various ways. I believe that our greatest hindrance to revival, church, is not the fear of the enemy. I think we're way past that one. I don't believe that you are afraid of the devil. I don't think I'm preaching to a congregation that's afraid of, of the principalities of this world and all that I believe our greatest hindrance to revival is not the fear of the enemy, but yet it's the fear of failure. The fear of failure. You look the definition, the fear of failure is when we allow that fear to stop us doing the things that can move us forward to achieve our goals. In other words, that fear of failure will stop you before you even start. And I believe that the enemy is okay with us not being afraid of him. As long as we're afraid of failure, we can do his job for him. Because before we ever get started in the will of God, that fear of failure seeps in and we're done. We think, uh, what if I come to the front this morning and I don't receive the Holy Ghost? And we sit back in our chairs and in our pews and we never come down to the front. What if I lay hands on my sick brother or my sick sister and they don't receive a healing? So we never lay hands on them. What if I invite that cashier to church or that waitress to church and she just laughs in my face and she never comes? And then we never ask them. And we say, well, what if I don't get the Holy Ghost? What if they don't get healed? What if they don't come? I've got a revelation for somebody this morning. What if they do? What if you do get the Holy Ghost? What if they do get healed? What if they do receive a miracle? What if they come running through those doors into this altar and receive everything? Oh, come on, somebody. Fear says, what if they don't? But faith says, what if I do? We've got to stop focusing on the risk, and we've got to start focusing on the reward. There is a revival, the likes you have never seen, that God is waiting to have. 
There's things in your life that you have never seen that God is wanting to cultivate out of you. That God is, there's prayer warriors in this sanctuary right now. There's Sunday school teachers right now. There's preachers in this place right now. You may not know it yet, but you start stepping into the will of God and see what he can do. There's soul winners. There's soul winners everywhere in this place. We could turn this city upside down. You can turn this city upside down with an apostolic revival. When you get the revelation that God is with you, He did not give you that spirit of timidness. He didn't give you shyness. I gave you power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This truth is the greatest treasure this world has ever seen. I don't know if you've ever seen videos or heard someone for the first time that's seen, that's been preached to, that hears about the Word of God. But I've seen tears go down their face. I've seen them pack up, grab Bibles that were shipped to them from overseas. uh, And they're just crying because they pick up a Bible. But yet here it is in our hands every day. Can I tell you, the Bible tells us John the Baptist prepared the way. Uh, Jesus Christ made the way, but he's placed it in our hands to show them the way. He's given it to us to propagate his gospel, church. Uh, And our elders, they put too much blood, sweat, and tears into this thing for us to sit back and be timid. How many souls do you walk by every day? How many miracles are we walking by every day? How many many people are we walking by every day that are lost and they're hurting and they're hungry for the Word of God? We've got the cure to cancer. We've got the keys to heaven. We've got the cure to every disease this world has ever seen. We've got the cure to depression and suicidal thoughts. We've got the cure right here in our hands. But you don't understand, I I can't be used by God. I'm too dirty. I've messed up too much. I'm too far gone. I I can't receive the Holy Ghost. I can't teach a Bible study. I'm too timid. I I can't do this. And then you're in that I can't mentality. Everything's I can't, I can't, I can't. But Paul said, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. You can do anything that God calls you to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Satan loves to remind us of our past failures to keep us from trying again. Nobody has to raise their hands. I'll be the transparent one this morning. But have you ever been haunted by your past before? Those failures and those sins, those skeletons in your closet you wish that you could just forget about. I can personally speak to this because when I was trying to answer the call to preach and step into the will of God, every time I considered it, I was reminded of everything I've done wrong in my past, of how bad I am and how terrible I've been. And every time I would, I would say, never mind. I'd say, Pastor, not today. I can't do it. I was constantly reminded he's the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says. He keeps a very good tab, by the way. And so I... I'm not endorsing this, but I said, God, if you want me to preach, you're going to have to make it happen. I'll never be able to tell my pastor that I'm a preacher. You're going to have to do it, God. I'm sorry, but 
if you could just let me wake up in the morning and forget everything that I've ever done wrong. And I wake up feeling like a perfect saint, like an angel. Oh, I'll step in your will, God. I'll do everything you ask me to do. Not endorsing this. Uh, and then the Lord dealt with me. He's, uh, the Lord gave me something that night that's changed my life forever. And I want to share it with you. We know that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. What a beautiful portion of Scripture. God does not only choose to forgive us of our sins, but His blood washes us and cleanses us from our sins. The Bible, Hebrews says He will remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, not only does He choose to forgive, but He forgets. And so the Lord gave me, He said, He, by Him forgetting our sins, we are made holy in His eyes. Therefore, we can be in relationship with Him. God can work through us and in us. But by us remembering our sins, He is made greater in our eyes. By us remembering, He is made greater in our eyes. Can I tell you, God does not let you remember your past and your sins so that Satan can pull you back into darkness. He lets you remember so that we can know now that we are in His marvelous light. It's not a bad thing to remember, church. It would actually be worse to forget because if I never knew that I was once lost, I could never know that I am now saved. So every time Satan reminds me of where I've been and what I've done, I don't only look back at where I was, but I get a glimpse of where I am. And when I see where I was and where I am today, God becomes greater in my eyes. I say thank you, Baba, because all you're doing is showing me that God pulled me out of that miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goal. Come on, somebody, every time you look back, it's an opportunity to look and see where you are today. Every time you look back and remember, it's an opportunity to see how far you've gone. Hallelujah. And every time I see how far I've come, I don't know about you, but I love God more and more, Brother Farhat. The greater he becomes in my eyes. And here it is. The greater that God becomes, Pastor, the greater he becomes in my eyes. Let it, the more he reminds me, the greater he becomes. Until it gets to the point, the more that you love him. And the more that you love God, your, wife is no, your life is no longer predicated upon fear and timidness. But now my life is predicated upon God's love. And the book of John says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. God loves you. God's called you. He knows the faults that he thinks towards you. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands this morning. Uh, don't be afraid to step into what God is wanting you to do. Uh, he's called you for a purpose. Uh, you remember for a reason. 
Hallelujah. And let me sum it all up for you real quickly. The more you love God and you get to the place in your walk with God where you love him with all your heart, now you are willing to put your trust into him. Now you're willing to say, God, not my will, but your will. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what the results will be, God. But you literally, you willingly submit yourself to the will of God. And you acknowledge Him in all your ways. And you don't lean on your own understanding. And now, because of that, He directs our path. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All throughout the Bible, there are great people who have had failures. I'm helping somebody right now. You're letting these failures hold you back. But Abraham was a liar, but yet he became the father of many nations. Moses murdered a man out of anger, Pastor, but yet he, God used him to deliver his people from Egypt. Uh, David lusted and committed adultery, but yet he was called a man after God's own heart. Uh, Peter denied Jesus thrice, three times, uh, but yet Jesus gave him the keys to the kingdom. And he preached the first message of the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost. I say that to say this, we don't remember these men by their failures, uh, but by their purpose. Because your purpose is greater than your failures. Your purpose is greater than your failures. Don't get caught up in the amount of times that you have failed and you have fallen. The Bible says a just man falleth seven times, but he riseth up again. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be filled with perfect people that never failed. It's going to be filled with people that uh, got failed, but yet they got up one more time and they tried again. You may have been knocked down time and time again, but what matters is are you willing to get back up one more time and run to this altar? Are you willing to get back up one more time and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I'm coming to a close. Musicians, if you will come. Your failures do not define who you are. God does not look at you and see failure. He sees that diamond in the dust. He sees that potential. And I'm thankful that when I was out in this world, I had nothing to do with God and I was doing my own thing in this world, God looked at me and said, I've got something for you. I've got a purpose for you. You may not be where I want you to be right now, but I've still got a purpose waiting for you. I've still got a promise with your name on it. There's still a destiny with your name on it. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. A just man follows seven times and riseth up again. We've got to stop focusing on the risk, church, and we've got to focus on the reward. Trust is the deepest dimension of faith. And some of us are here this morning. We need something from God. I would dare say all of us need something from God. You may need a healing touch. 
You may need the Holy Ghost. You may have never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You may have never uh, spoken in tongues your whole life. Can I tell you what doth hinder you? Maybe you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Uh, Maybe you need a restoration, not just on the outside, but on the inside. Those scars that are on the inside tend to hurt a little worse than the ones that are on the outside. You need deliverance from something. In just a few moments, there's going to be an altar call, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. And fear is going to tell you to sit back where you are. He's going to tell you, won't you stay where you are? Won't you go, go ahead and leave and go to the restaurant for lunch? But why don't you let faith say, come on down? Why don't you let faith say, come on down. What if today is the day? For 40 years, uh, sorry, for 40 days, the children of Israel, the army of Israel, were one stone throw away from victory. One stone throw away. And you may have been waiting a long time for this, but what if I told you you were one altar call away? What if I said you were one prayer Meeting away. Would you believe me this morning? Would you step out on faith and say, I'm here to receive my miracle. I'm here to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm here to get that healing. Praise God. The YouVersion Bible app is the most downloaded Bible app in all the world. Over 400 million plus downloads all over the world. It's more likely the Bible app that's on your phone. And what version does is they, they look at their statistics and they find every year the most highlighted, the most shared, and the most liked verse in the whole year. I don't know how they do it, but they figure it out. And I want to share a couple with you from the last few years. Out of all the year, out of all year long, this is the verses. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. The most liked, most shared verse in all the year. Have not I commanded thee, speaking to Joshua and the children of Israel when they were getting ready to go back into the promised land. He was reminding them, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Oh, I'm telling somebody this morning, don't be afraid to step into the promise. (laughs) Because that God is with you wherever you go. One more, Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. The most liked and most shared verse in all the year. Watch this. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. You see the correlation. For I am thy God. And he said, I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. And I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He said, don't you be afraid of what lies before you. I know where you're going. I know what I've called you to do. And when you need help, I'm going to help you. When you need strength, I'm going to give it to you. When you need to be held, he said, I'm going to uphold you. Would you stand with me this morning, church? There's nothing arbitrary with God. There's nothing accidental with him. You're here today, Byron, for a reason.
We're here today for a purpose. And I dare say throughout all the years, these last few years, these are the verses that they have loved. These are the verses that they have read all over the world. Could it be? God is sending a message to his church. Could it be God is trying to show us something? That there is something on the horizon, the likes we have never seen. And we cannot afford to be timid. We cannot be scared to step in to the promise. And I encourage you this morning as wholeheartedly and as emphatically as I can as Paul did his brethren. Now more than ever, church, is the time that we fight the good fight. Now is the time that we keep the faith. Now is the time that we finish the course. Let's step into the revival God wants us to have this month. Let's step into the Word of God. Let's begin to see miracles and signs and wonders. Well, these altars are open right now. If that hasn't done it, I don't know what will. But God is wanting you right now. There's something inside of you you have yet to see. Paul told Timothy to stir it up. Neglect not to give. I know God is using you, Timothy. But there's something greater. There's something more. Don't let the enemies rob you of your promise. Don't let the enemy steal your destiny. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, in your name, Jesus, right now. Everyone, let's lift up our hands right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. By the power and the authority of the name of Jesus and the word of God, I rebuke that spirit of fear. I rebuke that spirit of doubt. I rebuke the enemy. I bind the strong man. I rebuke everything that would dare exalt itself against you, God. And I lose faith. I lose faith into this atmosphere. Let the gift of faith begin to operate.